Petrangelo shoots, save, rebound, score! Nicholas Waugh ties it! Rebound goal for Nick Waugh! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. A steal for Colasar, charging out. Colasar, the righty, shoots and scores! Colasar on the breakaway! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your home for access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, hanging out inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Friday, that means we are just one day away, one more sleep. I know it feels like it's been forever since the Golden Knights played in a game, but we've got one more sleep, and then the Vegas Golden Knights are back in action, and boy, are they back in action. you got Carolina tomorrow, and then it's just nonstop for the Vegas Golden Knights. The schedule is going to pick up in much the same way the schedule looked for the Golden Knights in the early going of the season. October, November, December, it was incredibly busy. We always kind of talked about this stretch, January, February, coming out of the bye week and the All-Star break, the ability to kind of catch your breath if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, Bruce Cassidy, and then it's the stretch drive. And we know what the Golden Knights were able to do last season en route to their first Stanley Cup championship, and we'll see how things go as they really do get into the schedule, the remainder of the schedule, in earnest on Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday and Saturday. So for the Golden Knights, it's about to be a lot busier than it's been of late, but they were on the ice today. Full practice. We'll kind of get into the lines. Newsflash, they were exactly as we assumed they would be yesterday on the show. We're also going to get to the Michael E. Minden Hockey Parlay Contest. That's a little bit later on in the show. We've got three games. Obviously, Darren Millard's not on the show again today. Whisperings that he's doing better and that he'll be back next week. So there you go. For those of you waiting on that Darren Millard update news. But we do have a guest game in the Michael E. Minden Hockey Parlay Contest. I'll explain who it is, which game they went with, should you be fortunate enough to be the lucky winner. And it makes a lot of sense when you explain to people who it is as to why that person or, well, the person. I, I don't know what I was trying to say. but I, I why, don't know what you were trying why, to say why, why he or she would be picked to, uh, to, to, to be the third person to give a game this week. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. So that's... Coming up in about 40 minutes or <laughs> I so. What the hell I, I have no idea. We're going to do the pretenders, <laughs> contenders thing. Now, listen, when we get to pretenders, contenders in hour number two, I want to just explain to everybody right now that this was really the brainchild of Chris Chapman. Now, we've kind of added a little bit to it. We've oomphed it up a little bit, if that's a word. I, I don't know. But we are going to do it in such a way that I think lends you – a little bit of insight into what we believe in terms of these teams and playoff success. When we go through the contender power ranking, so to speak, and and what it's going to be is every team that's right now currently in a playoff position, we are going to rank them one to eight in each conference. 
One being the team that we expect to win the conference, meaning the team that we expect to be representing that conference in the Stanley Cup final. Not the team we think is going to have the most regular season success. This is not a regular season power ranking. It is a what will they do in the postseason type of power ranking. So that's giving you a little bit of insight as to what we are trying to do with the contender power rankings in our number two. We've also got one-timers. No one's talking about Austin Matthews. I'm going to complain about that. It's because everyone's talking about Morgan Riley. And we're, we're too focused on a cross check and a slap shot into an empty net that we're not talking enough, frankly, about Austin Matthews and being on a 71-goal pace through 82 games. But let's start off with the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's start off with what we saw today in practice and a little bit of a preview of what's to come tomorrow. We'll also get to Bruce Cassidy's audio in just a couple of minutes here. But when the news broke that Brendan Brisson was going to be reassigned to the Henderson Silver Knights, Byron Fraze comes up to play for the Vegas Golden Knights. We expect them to be in the lineup tomorrow. It became very clear what Bruce Cassidy was going to be doing with his lines. Bruce lamented puck management in the lost to the Minnesota Wild. He talked about puck management. You go back, and I'm telling you right now, if you watch the goal that the Minnesota Wild scored, it was the third goal of the game. I believe it was the Marco Rossi goal. What you're going to find on that play, what you're going to see is Alec Martinez go back, make a play on a puck. He's going to move it up the wall to Michael Amadio. It's good. Now, the options for the Golden Knights in terms of their breakouts are twofold, right? You can chip it off the boards, or you can hit your center in the middle of the ice. And it's on your center iceman, obviously, in those spots, to support the puck well, meaning to present as an option. So as the play is being siphoned off from the wall, you have an outlet. You have a safety valve. You can release that pressure, get out of your own zone easily, and you can start working in through the neutral zone in transition. Puck management is going to be vital against Carolina Hurricanes. Puck management has to be the most important aspect of the game for the Golden Knights because what we talked about with Carolina yesterday is that this is a team that is a full-court press type of team. And Bruce Cassidy spoke to this. We're going to get to there in, in just a little bit. But when Carolina is playing well, they close better than any team in the league in what you're trying to do in your breakouts. The Carolina Hurricanes are right on top of you. They don't give you much time. They don't give you any space. And you have to be willing to support the puck in all areas of the game. In all zones, in all situations, you have to have outlets. And it's not just one outlet that you have to have. You have to have options so that you can beat that pressure. Now, for the Golden Knights, you go back to last season. I'm not talking about the last time they played Carolina, but last season. Vegas handled them well. Why? They managed the puck. Why? They were able to get back to pucks quickly enough in their defensive zone. They were able to break that first wave of pressure. They were able to kind of get Carolina in between plays, in between situations. And then they were able to exploit that miscue and those misfires and those misplays in transition and scored. That's how the Golden Knights beat them. That's how you beat the Carolina Hurricanes. You have to play one step faster than Carolina can close on you. And the only way that you can do that is puck management. 
The only way that you can stay a step ahead is to make sure you're moving the puck faster than the opposition can skate. Because as fast as individual players are on the Carolina Hurricanes, they're not going to be able to, to move faster than you can move the puck. Which is why it's so important, in my view, that Bruce Cassidy is going back to lines that you've had success with in the past. Bruce Cassidy's going back to lines where I, I think you can trust the each individual player on that line knows what their role is, knows what their responsibilities are, and they know how to play with one another. Today, the line combinations were as such. Brett Howden up with Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone. We called that yesterday. Called that yesterday. The Nick Waugh line stays together. You're not changing that. We went through the numbers. Waugh has 14 points in his last 11 games. Barbashev has 12 points in his last 11 games. Marcheseau has 14 points in his last 11 games, 10 of which are goals. I really do believe that the, the success of that line provides you options when everyone's healthy, assuming they continue to uphold their end of the bargain. Like that line can, has to continually play well. They have to keep moving in the right direction from a production standpoint to stay together. But if they continue to do what they've done and be as dominant as they've been, it provides you options. It just does. Doesn't mean you have to act on it. Doesn't mean you have to keep it together, but it does give you options. Third line's Paul Cotter with William Carlson and Michael Amadio. Again, Carlson and Amadio, that's a duo. That's a pair that Bruce Cassidy likes. Paul Cotter works off of those two guys really well. Again, you'll know what you're going to get. That's important against a Carolina team that will close the distance and close on you quickly, and you have to manage the puck well in order to survive that pressure. And then your fourth line is Jonas Ronbjerg, Byron Fraze, and Keegan Colasar. So again, up front, it's exactly what we expected it to be. One other tidbit, and, and again, I, I know I'm kind of burying the lead here because we're going to play Bruce Cassidy. Shea Theodore practiced again for the Vegas Golden Knights. Will not play tomorrow. So we're getting closer on Shea Theodore, but he will not play tomorrow. So having said all that, having looked at what the Golden Knights are going to present, again, from a forward perspective, Chris Chapman, when you think about it, puck management has to be the number one key tomorrow against Carolina. How do you view the decision from Bruce Cassidy to kind of go back to some old chemistry that's worked out well? Well, I, th I think it was almost a must. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure where else he could turn against a team like the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, you know, what, what we do know is he's not afraid to mix things up. And I think given the past success that we've seen with Michael, I'm sorry, with uh, Brett Howden, mm -hmm. Chandler Stevenson, and Mark Stone. I think it's a it's it's a group of players that obviously Bruce Cassidy trusts, and then the fact that Nick Waugh has played so well with Ivan Barbashev and Jonathan Marsh or so, that was a line that that you trust as well. Uh, look, the third line: William Carlson, Michael Amadio, Paul Cotter. I, I think that's that's worked, but. I think that's a line that maybe maybe he needs a little more out of Amadio and Cotter, mm -hmm. um, and hopefully he gets that because you know what you're getting with William Carlson, but you mentioned the the, the Marco Rossi goal, mm -hmm. and you know what it reminded me of? It, mm -hmm. it reminded me a lot of the Tyler Toffoli goal in okay. New Jersey yep. where they 
send the puck basically halfway down the ice, unable to control it, turn it over, mm-hmm. and it leads to a goal. That goal was a game-winning goal. By Marco Rossi's goal was not the game-winning goal. I'm sorry. It was the uh, Boldy goal that was a winning goal. But <laughs> nonetheless, it's a similar play. It's it's like, come on, guys. Like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And I think I I like the fourth line. I think you kind of know what you get with Byron Fraze. He, he's, he's not a guy who is inexperienced, even though he's played – a lot of games in the A for Henderson. He's still a guy who who has over 100 games in the NHL and a guy that I think you trust. That's just why you call him up and you send Brendan Brisson down. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I I think Bruce likes Jonas Rombierk. Well, I, I, I think it's, what's not to like about? I think him. I think it's very evident that that Jonas Rombierk is a guy that they trust. Mm-hmm. And Keegan Golasar, we talked about it yesterday. How much his game has improved from the puck control aspect. I heard him talking yesterday, and he, you know, he said it's something he's always trying to work on, mm-hmm. even you know, because he's always working on the tip drill after practice. But the being harder to separate from the puck, mm-hmm. especially in the corners, is something that he said he, he he's worked hard on, and I think you've seen that improvement in his game. So, I think given what Bruce has at his disposal, this was the best possible pairing of lines that he could go with. Yeah, I I think so too. Now. Your point about Ron Bjerg, yeah, I, I, you know what you're going to get out of that player. Byron Fraze, it's a similar situation, right? Like, obviously, for Fraze, it hasn't stuck consistently at the NHL level. But what does he bring to the table? Experience, right? And he brings an ability to win faceoffs. So if you're looking at a fourth line, you're going out there, you want to start with possession. Byron Fraze can get that done for you. And then you want to make smart, heady plays. You want to get ahead of it. You want to, you know, be able to play a little bit in the offensive zone, set up territorial advantage for for your other lines. And I, I do think that this combination can get you there. So it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Obviously, I know the fan base is is really clamoring for Brendan Brisson to kind of take off, right? Like prospects need time to grow. There's nothing wrong with that. We got to see moments, flashes from Brendan, and Bruce is going to address Brendan Brisson, what he can take away from his time up here with the Vegas Golden Knights, how he can improve going back down with the Henderson Silver Knights. But the fact of the matter is, you're in a position right now where you've got to win hockey games. You're in a position now where you've got to have more predictable play in every zone, not just on the power play with a one-timer, not just offensively, you have to have predictable play, especially on your breakouts, especially on those plays that often determine whether or not you win or lose a game. And this isn't a knock on Brendan Brisson. He wasn't on the ice for the goal that we were talking about, the Marco Rossi goal. And to, to kind of to go a step further, William Carlson wasn't on the ice either. Michael Amadio was on the wall. And the route from your center iceman, it was just a decision that went, the, that went in the opposite direction. From a support perspective, the support wasn't where it needed to be. It went, it zigged when it should have zagged. And sometimes that happens, right? And sometimes you're able to just chip a puck out. It didn't work out that way. But against Carolina, you have to make sure you're zigging when you need to zig and you have to zag when you have to zag. It's just the fact of the matter because they're that good of a team in terms of their ability to force and pressure you into plays that you don't want to make. So for the Golden Knights, going back to a more 
veteran heavy predictable lineup to me makes a lot of sense for this game especially considering your opponent well i think it's it it boils down to trust and like i said earlier bruce cassidy clearly trusts the stevenson stone and howden line as he should I I know there's been a bunch of injuries this season, and and guys have missed a ton of time, and it, it's kind of jumbled the lines. I mean, we, we we don't seem to get anything consistent with the with the lines because it seems like every other day someone's getting hurt. Well, now those guys are starting to get healthy, mm-hmm. and we we've we've kind of hit it a bit this week. This is the time of year where you start to put your your foot on the gas to start playing your best hockey. Yep. We know what the schedule is going to be like coming up. It was a nice little break for the Golden Knights. And tomorrow is, I would say, the start of, it's basically the start of the second season. And I think what 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 you need to see is you need to see guys starting to gel. Guys starting to pick up their, their game a little bit. And I think putting that Stone, Stevenson, and Howden line mm-hmm. together again I think that's a, an indication of this is a line that gives me the best ability to repeat as a Stanley Cup champion when I'm, I'm looking at the group of players that I have out on the ice. Now, what happens when Jack Eichel comes back? Don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to concern myself with that right now because we don't know when Jack Eichel's coming back. Sure. But it- the Carolina Hurricanes, as, as you continue to, to you know, their, their name kind of, Fits exactly how they play because that yeah they they play like a hurricane yep. they are up in your face mm-hmm. they're all over the place and they're unpredictable I think at times <laughs> yeah because if you beat their pressure then things become easy yeah right like if you beat that initial wave of pressure that Carolina throws your way if you beat the active defenseman you've got two on ones and three on twos all day long you have breakaway opportunities that's how Vegas beat them last season so. It's 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 important that the Golden Knights play the right way. It's important that they get dialed in, and it's important that they manage the puck in every facet of the game. You can't take shifts off. You can't take periods off because Carolina will make you pay. So having said all of that, we're going to get into Bruce Cassidy. He addressed the media earlier today. It was a long practice for the Vegas Golden Knights, a lot of skill work afterward. Zach Whitecloud, his ability to handle pucks on his backhand in pressure situations. It's phenomenal. And he he kind of talked about that being an aspect that he has worked on for a long time. Um, but it was a it was a, a really up tempo, really upbeat practice. Again, quite a long one for the Vegas Golden Knights. Some skill work tacked on at the end. But Bruce Cassidy addressed the media, he talked about Shea Theodore, whether or not we'd see him again this this weekend he also talked about Brendan Brisson some of the things that he should pick up as well as the Carolina Hurricanes here's Bruce Cassidy um, when it comes to when you're getting almost the blue line fully intact I guess how are you evaluating that seventh spot down for the longest well let's just say Theo goes in right with Naber and we get back to our six um I would say it's situational because I still think Korzak's in that mix. He's just able to play in, in Henderson, so that's valuable t- for us. Um, ben Hutton was doing a great job, and then he got hurt, so I'm not certainly going to rule him out of that spot. He's always done a good job in that role. 
I think with Ben, we prefer to put him in on the left side when he goes in, not necessarily the right. Or if he goes in on the left, then Marty or Hager has to move. So we like the the fact that sticks can stay on their their sides with with now Miro in the mix. Um, obviously, Theo is is played right forever, and he's going to stay there. But so that's a bit of how we evaluate it, to be honest. So if it's a righty going out, and we get back to even, it might be Miro going in. You know, we'll we'll have to make a decision there on what's best for the team. Just tough for Huddy sometimes because you know he's got the experience and he's done a good job. But that's how we like to do it. Doesn't always mean it's going to play out that way. When you talked about, talk about Carolina the other day, with how they're kind of uh, digging deeper into them, uh, what, what do you see from them? What talk uh, they, they've they've found their game, especially in the last six weeks, which I think everyone knew they would. They're a good hockey team. They've added to it. I think they went through the goaltending situation with Anderson getting hurt, who's going to be their guy. And then I think Ranta got hurt. They're going through a little bit what we did the second half of the year where they getting some traction and some health at that position has been a challenge for them. But they still play good hockey. Svechnikov is back in the lineup now. He's he's a driver of play. Uh, balanced attack. Um, D that get up the ice that can really defend well in your face. That's the way they play. Uh, but their special teams, their power plays as good as it's ever been this year. And I think that's been driving them a lot lately. Their PK is always solid, but power play is humming. Uh, some of those younger guys may be more comfortable on Nesh. I think I'm saying it right. Nesh Cash is one of the, you know, Tara Vine, and they're starting to score a little more regularly. Bunting is good in front of the net at that. So just a strong all-around team. They've been there, right? They've been knocking on the door for years. So um, going to be a, a, a tall order, but... There's a way that I feel that you can have success against them. If you play fast and, and play north as they're trying to take away your time and space like a press, then you can get some opportunities behind them if you're on your toes. If you're not, it's going to be a long night chasing the puck, and that's what happened to us up there. Some of the guys have said that was one of the more disappointing performances of the season. Do you, when you're preparing, do you look back and make them watch that and say, look how bad it was? Or no, no, I think that – I don't know if that's of value to show them – they will see stuff, saw some stuff this morning, and we'll see stuff tomorrow that we need to do better and stuff that we did do well at times. I mean, we weren't good in that game, and they were clearly the better team, but there's always a few clips you can show that here. This is where you can have some opportunity to expose them, uh, and that's sort of how we'll, we'll approach it. you feel like those teams that play in your face like that with that four Well, we beat them last year twice doing that. Now, I think the game up there was 4 nothing or something. Quickie was in nets, I do remember, and we, that's what we did. Now, we caught him in between all night because we were ready on our toes. Now, maybe they had an off night. I can't speak for – evaluate their performance, but I do know that we were able to get going and we didn't get bogged down. And ch They didn't check us as well as they normally would most teams. Some of that has to be credit to us making good decisions with the puck and supporting it. You can't play away from the puck against this team – Unless it's always like a high flip and chase it down type of way. You got to get close. If you want to make tape to tape passes, you got to be close together and skating on to pucks, not away from pucks. And up there, we didn't do that. When you have a game that's like last game, you didn't like puck management. Do you like playing the team where it's like, ooh, you better be on our I, I Listen, I think these are, yes, in that, in that regard. It's good to get tested. And we're going to get tested to Warner. If we're not ready to play it, it it's you know, going to be problematic. And I think coming out of that game Monday, most of our guys would tell you to a man that they weren't happy with their performance overall. Um, we had opportunities to salvage points. That's where I was disappointed that early in the year we had some of those performances and we were able to get our act together at the right time to get points. And uh, we weren't able to do that in the third period. 
Uh, but this will be a, you know, a, a probably of no disrespect to many, but a bigger challenge. This is a team that's on their game and and they they're playing well on the road. They don't have a lot of weaknesses. They they're built to play four lines in six D, and and um, we got to be ready for it. Well, I don't know until we play to, to say, okay, did we, was it too much time off and we're flat? Um, I think we benefited because I said it, we, we had a number of guys, the flu came through the locker room. So they were able to re-energize a little bit. That is a positive that you're not playing games when you're not at a hundred percent in that regard. Other than that, I think there's no, I mean, a little bit of practice time, we, a couple of parts of our game that we, we honed in on yet. Um, when did we skate Wednesday and today that were a little more team oriented? Yes, it was a skills day. Um, so that part of it's good. I think a coach always likes some time to have practice when you, you feel like your team needs it. And we did simply because we came out of the break and we had, you know what I mean? We had eight days off. So no matter how good we played in those games, you probably want to get back to work a little bit. Um, so hopefully that is a benefit. Uh, he's his second effort on the puck is better. He's you know he has to, he's realizing in the NHL like no one gives you pucks back. You got to go get them. Um, I like that 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 part of his game. I thought his game on the walls he started to value more. Hang in there. So that second effort on getting puck, battling pucks out. So the little things like that that in a man's league so to speak you got to do if you want to have the puck and, and create offense and play to your strength. I think he's understanding now living it. You can tell him all you want, but now that he's lived it, it's like. You know, it's it's a hard league to get the puck. When I do get it, I better be strong on it and work hard to get it back. If I lose it, um, didn't see a lot on the uh, offensive side. Power play, the puck didn't seem to find him for whatever reason. I think he has value there for us, especially if we're struggling with it a little bit. But for whatever reason, it didn't get rotated over to him. Whether I, I can't say small sample size. Um, that's a part of the game. I think he's he'll keep working on in Henderson and get better at that. He you know will need to bring to to us um, if you're going to play here full time. And I've liked what I, I've saw out of him when, it, when I have seen him down there and in preseason and that part of it. Um, so I, I thought it was a good experience for him to be around here for a stretch of time. Um, hopefully he feels the same way and goes back. Like what you want is a guy to go down there and say, okay, now I get part of what they're telling me. And I get, I can play in this league if I do this, this, and this, you know, and, and, and make realistic um, evaluations of himself and hopefully he does that goes down and takes care of those things so that when he comes back up those are buttoned up a little more he won't play tomorrow no no he's getting there but he's not playing tomorrow there's Bruce Cassidy from earlier today as he addressed the media as you just heard Shea Theodore not an option he's getting close but he's not going to play tomorrow for the Vegas Golden Knights some of that uh Discourse on Brendan Brisson, uh, some of the areas that, that I think, you know, Bruce obviously is looking for Brendan to to work on in Henderson, some of the areas where, you know, y- you like what you saw out of Brisson at this level. Uh, really, the, the power play conversation was interesting to me, mainly because we know that Brisson's got the one-timer. We know the Golden Knights had power play opportunities, most specifically in that game against the Minnesota Wild, just never able to get Brisson the puck to wind up in that spot for a big one-timer. How might things have changed for Brisson in terms of 
being available tomorrow or being still up with the club if you had a couple of power play looks where that one-timer was able to go? Well, to be fair, they have a very difficult time getting a I, lot of guys the puck for that one-timer. It is, it is not a Brendan Brisson yeah. knock so at all. I it think is I, Vegas's inability to set that one-timer up. What, what I like, though, is we had an opportunity to get a, a, a bit of a sneak preview. Sure, yeah. And it's almost like when you're in school and you take the PSATs and you get your score and you're like, okay, well, now I know what I need to focus on in yep. order to improve so when I take my SATs, I am ready to go. I, I I get the highest score possible. So I think it was a good opportunity for for the coaching staff, and we know how dialed in Ryan Craig is with what this team expects and what they want. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Ryan Craig has been fully briefed on things that they want Brendan Brisson to work on because I I don't have a crystal ball, but. I'm I'm looking into it right now, and I'm thinking that Brendan Brisson is a guy that they would like to be up with this club next year. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to start the season, but at some point on a consistent basis. And there's you know there's things he's going to have to get better at if if that's going to be the case. You want him to push the door down, but you want that skill to shine through. And I got the sense just from the few conversations I had with Brendan mm-hmm. that he he's an intelligent kid. Mm-hmm. And he's a kid who's been around the game his whole life, and he's a kid who will take what is said to him, sure, and he will work his ass off to to, to do it. This is a fact gathering mission for Brendan Brisson. Yeah, where does my game stack up? Where do I need to improve? And what are the areas and the avenues that I can use to my advantage to get there? Yeah, and and there there were times where. He looked every bit a kid out on there, out on the ice. Yeah, then and then there's his first career NHL goal. Yeah, and then there were moments where you're like, you know what? There's something there. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the task now for Brendan Brisson. You have a taste, you get an opportunity, you play a couple of games, and now you know what the pace is like at this level, you know what the expectation is like at this level, and now it's about getting back here and not going back down the next time you get an opportunity. We're back with more. We're going to talk about Morgan Riley again. I know. Listen, I'm guilty. Um, I'm guilty of leaning into this a little bit too hard, but I'm going to juxtapose the Morgan Riley stuff with the Austin Matthews thing. And boy, oh boy, it's going to be fun. Leafs talk here on the VGK Insider Show. One more sleep, and then the Vegas Golden Knights are finally back in action, taking on the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow. It's 730 puck drop, and... You know, I know we've kind of been at this for a couple of days, but I, I have to I have to explain what it's going to be like tomorrow trying to get to the game. So listen, if you are going to the game tomorrow, number one, good on you for listening to this show. That's what everybody does. That's the right place to be. But if you're going to the game tomorrow, please make sure you give yourself enough time to get down there. The I-15 and Tropicana will be closed not like sort of closed, like full-on closed, okay? So you've got to plan for alternate routes. You've got to leave yourself plenty of time. Get down there early. Stay late. Have some fun. It's a 7.30 puck drop. But here's the cool thing. Because the Vegas Golden Knights organization, they're not going to leave you in a lurch, right? Like, you're not going to be in a situation where it's like, hey, come down early, and then there's nothing incentivizing you outside of just trying to beat traffic. That is incentive enough for me. Trust me, I'm going to be there at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's my plan for tomorrow. 
But that's mostly because I'm jazzed up about the game. I want to see hockey. It's been a minute. But if you need incentivization, dueling pianos. Dueling pianos on Toshiba Plaza tomorrow from 4 to 6. Again, get down there early. Stay late. Doors will open at 6 o'clock, so you're going to be able to listen to cool, cool piano music. You're going to get to... Uh, probably judge the dueling pianos. So, you know, if you're a Ralph Macchio guy, you go that direction. If you're a Steve Vai guy, you go that direction. But the fact of the matter is, get down there early. Doors will open at 6. And then, once you're in the door, you don't have anything to worry about. I mean, certainly you have something to worry about when you leave. But again, stay late. Enjoy Toshiba Plaza. Enjoy some of the fine establishments down there. And then, when all the traffic is kind of billowed out, like, Chris Chapman likes to do. He likes to wait a little bit uh, longer, and then there's no traffic. He's able to just blaze right out of there. Follow the Chris Chapman way of thinking. Yeah, I'm actually going to get down there very early myself. Generally, I I get down there for a 7 o'clock puck drop on the weekend. I'll try to get down there about 6.15, 6.30. I'm going to get down there a bit earlier. I'm probably going to plan on leaving my house about 4 o'clock. Are you gonna Are you gonna go watch the? Dueling I pianos? what I'm going to do is, and it's a cheap plug, but <laughs> I am I am a huge fan of Italy. Okay, I think Italy is one of the coolest things we have in Vegas. I've never been there. You're missing out. Well, like as someone who who's been to Italy, it's as close to Italy as we have in Las Vegas. Really? Yes. Okay. And it's it's just a really there, there's a bunch of little restaurants and and. What I'll usually do is I'll get a I'll get a slice of pizza or something and I'll get a San Pellegrino. To, do you have to cut the pizza with scissors? No, no, okay. no. So no. it's it's not quite but uh, not quite the full Italian experience. No, 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 no. Well, I'm getting a slice, not a, not a whole not a whole pie. I'm just but, saying, yeah. like, but um, yeah, the whole no. pie in Italy is this is the size of a slice of New York pizza. Yeah, well, the pizza that I had. Oh boy, I found this great place near MSG. Oh, of course man. you did, dude. Great pizza. I, honestly, I don't even know why we plan anything for this. Yeah, segment. you know what? I'm just going to shut up. I'm just get down there early and uh, look, pr- prepare. Prepare to to sit in traffic no matter which way you come in because with the I-15 closed, with Tropicana closed, uh, Frank Sinatra is going to be an absolute nightmare. Yep. Um, Las Vegas Boulevard is going to be an absolute nightmare. Flamingo is going to be an absolute nightmare. So uh, plan accordingly. Get there early. And you know what? They've got you covered. You can go grab something to eat, come back, watch the dueling pianos. I, I, I hope they play Great Balls of Fire because I saw Top Gun was on the other night. And, oh, that'll be fun. And, of course, uh, you know, the, that, that iconic scene with Goose and his kid and Meg Ryan in the bar, and they're they're playing Great Balls of Fire. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an iconic movie scene, and it's an iconic song because of that movie. And uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, of course, had a movie made after him, but I'm, I'm just going down the rabbit hole. You really right. are. Austin Matthews, what's he up to? Okay, who's who's in your who's in your top three right now for the for the Hart Trophy? Oh boy, I really have. I to... didn't expect this to be a really well hard sinker I, one. I, I I would I would put oh man. Well, I think based on how the Edmonton <laughs> Oilers have played since the coaching change, mm-hmm. I think you have to put Connor McDavid in there. Okay, uh, is he your is he your number one? I don't know. I, I think Nathan McKinnon is probably in, in the fold. Okay. You know. So you've got Connor, you've got Nathan. Here here's here's one that give me one more. I don't I don't think he'll he'll get it, but how about the season Quinn Hughes is having? Oh my goodness. 
the lack of respect for Nikita Kucherov is amazing. Well, so you have Quinn Hughes. Well, they're, they're, that's Nathan the problem. You, you can only put three guys in there. And there's, about, there's about six or seven guys that I could have thrown in there. Nikita Kucherov leads the league with 93 points. That's incredible. Nathan McKinnon second with 89 points. Connor McDavid, by virtue of nine points over his last two games, all assists, by the way. Uh, he's got well, 80 he points. six in one game. Yeah, six in one, three in the other. Uh, McDavid's sitting third right now in the points race. And here's the thing. If McDavid wins the scoring title, he's winning the MVP. As good of a season as it's been for Nathan McKinnon, as great of a year Nikita Kucherov is having, this exercise right here proves that Nikita Kucherov is not winning the Hart Trophy. He's just not. It is what it is, but he's not winning the Hart Trophy. Austin Matthews leads the league with 45 goals in 51 games. Austin Matthews is on pace for 71 goals this year. And there is nobody, and I mean nobody, talking about Austin Matthews this week. There's nobody talking about Austin Matthews potentially as a front runner for the Hart Trophy. And I'm not really sure why. Is it because the Leafs aren't very good? Well, they're in a wild card spot. So there's an opportunity for the, they haven't fallen completely out of it. They're not below the playoff cut line. I think it's twofold. I think, yeah, probably because Toronto's not playing particularly well. But I feel like we're kind of in this weird limbo with Austin Matthews where because he's not highlight real material, he's just flat out beating goalies with his shot. And that's what he's doing. Right? Like he is just quietly going about his business. He's got five hat tricks this year, Chapman. <laughs> five hat tricks. <laughs> Alex Ovechkin. That's, that's a season. Here's, here's 15 a, goals is a season for a lot of guys. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Alex Ovechkin has never had a season where he has scored five hat tricks. Mm. He's topped out at four. So Matthews has done something that even the great Alex Ovechkin, the best goal scorer to ever play the game, hasn't done. And he's still got like 30 games to go. Like it's not inconceivable, Princess Bride, it's not inconceivable, inconceivable. That, Austin, that Austin Matthews ends the season with seven or eight hat tricks. It's right there for him. He's on pace for 71 goals. And the fact that I'm that I'm bringing this up or the reason that I'm bringing this up is it was automatic that Austin Matthews was winning the Hart Trophy when he scored 60 goals. Right? Automatic. You you weren't even entertaining Connor McDavid. Granted, it was like only a 132-point season for Connor McDavid, which is <laughs> probably where where you're looking right now if you're Connor. But why is it different two years later? Well, let's let's be realistic here. If the guy scores 75 goals, he's winning the Hart Trophy. Absolutely not. If Austin Matthews scores 70 goals this year, I don't think he's winning the Hart Trophy. With 70 really goals? Don't. No, I don't. Because, if, because here's where it gets interesting. Connor McDavid, at one point this year, was 41st in scoring. The Edmonton Oilers were like 3-12-1, and Everybody wrote them off. And then they go on an absolute tear. McDavid has been so good. And if he's able to make up those final points, right, if he's able to continue to go 
at this clip, if he's able to do this throughout the rest of the season and he gets the Oilers into the playoffs comfortably, likely in a first-round matchup against the Vegas Golden Knights, but we'll get to that later, um, and then wins the scoring title, I, I think that McDavid wins it running away. Yeah, and I even I, though I'd make the argument he shouldn't. I I would now that I, I I think about things a little more. I know I put him in there, but you can't discount the first 15, 16 games of the season. Like you can't just throw them out and pretend they don't count. You you can't, but you can reward a player for doing something pretty remarkable in spite of those games. Yeah, but I'm with I, you. I in in my view. Connor McDavid does not even enter the conversation. Because, for because the argument I just made for Austin Matthews, oh, well, they're in third place. Yeah. Well, so are the Edmonton Oilers. Sure. So I can't hold it against Austin Matthews that they're in third place you can't. and then re- reward Connor McDavid because they're also in third place. The fact of the matter is, Matthews is doing something we haven't seen in decades. Like if he scores 70 goals, yeah. he should get it. This could be the greatest offensive goal-scoring season Austin Matthews ever has. And I don't think he's going to get any consideration for the hard Despite trophy. the fact that he won it with 60 goals and 46 assists with, just with, two years ago. With a less impressive goal-scoring season. Yeah. And listen, I recognize it's not the goal-scoring award that you're giving out here, but there is nothing harder in this league than scoring goals. It's the hardest thing. And if you, over 82 games, can put 70 in, I'm sorry. Nobody's been more valuable to their team than that player. Yeah. I mean, I mean, scoring a goal is, is the equivalent of hitting a home run in baseball. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's not the easiest thing to do, certainly, by any stretch. But, but so if, if you score 70 goals, it's ridiculous that it would be overlooked. Like, like I'm sorry, you, you can't. You can't say, "Oh, seventy goals." Well, I'm just not gonna. I'm gonna pretend it didn't happen. Uh, we we gave him the heart two years ago when he scored sixty. Yeah, but that's the problem. There's never any consistency. There isn't. There's... But the exercise is what it is. I asked you, open ended. Yeah. Who's who's on your ballot? If you could do it right now, who are who are you going for? Matthews wasn't even your fourth thought. No, no. That's what's crazy about this, and yet he's putting together a season in terms of goal scoring that we have not seen in decades. He's a remarkable player, and he should probably get a little bit more play at the top of the leaderboard when it comes to the Hart Trophy. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I threw Quinn Hughes in there, but I think he's probably going to win the Norris. So I don't, <laughs> oh, yeah, of I, course. I, I, I think he'll, he'll be a finalist for the Hart, but he should be. It, well, it depends on Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr right now is just six points back of Quinn Hughes. So which, whichever of those two players has more points at the end of the year, that's who's winning. See, but I, 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 I go down the path that you have to reward Quinn Hughes if the Canucks win the Pacific Division and end up the number one overall seed in the Western Conference, which, as of today, they would be. But the problem there is I'd make the argument that the Vancouver Canucks have more depth than the Colorado Avalanche. And listen, I know that's ridiculous, but I, it's the I, truth. I, I think that's fair. It's I, the truth. I think, I think Vancouver is, look, you look at some you of their other Kale, players. You take Kale McCarr away from the Colorado Avalanche, they flounder. They do. Yeah. Because then the onus is on Miko Rantanen yeah. and Nathan McKinnon. And that's and about it. And not much it. else. Yeah. And whereas if you take Quinn Hughes away for a couple of games or a two- or three-week span, you've still got Elias Pettersson. You've still got JT Miller. You've still got Brock Besser. You've still got a really solid, deep team in the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, no, you're 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 on point there. I mean, I just, I just am, am a believer that 
this guy's having an incredible season. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got 66 points. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And he he's over a point-a-game player. And I know you said McCarr is only six points back, so clearly he's going to end up being a point-a-game player as well. But, mm-hmm. like, I mean, they're, they're having an incredible season, and he's on pace to have his best season ever. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. It really is. Boy, a lot of, lot of, lot of good players in that family, huh? Yeah, well. Starting yeah. with the mom. Oh, man, I can't wait to talk about Jack Hughes. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about Jack Hughes. We're going to get to that in one-timers, but we are going to take caller number seven. 702-876-1340. Caller number seven, you're on the horn when we come back on the Michael E. Minden Hockey Parlay Contest. Parlay. That's the one. Parlay. Parlay. Time to parlay with the insiders. Brought to you by Michael E. Minden Diamond Jewelers in the Fashion Show Mall. Oh, it's my favorite time of the week. It's the Michael E. Minden Diamond Jewelers Hockey Parlay Contest. You can find Michael E. Minden inside the Fashion Show Mall. You all know the rules. We're going to give you three games. Dirk, we've got you on the line. You got three games. You win all three. You win $600. How's that sound? That sounds awesome. How confident are you right now? Uh, I am 50-50. Okay. All right. So we're going to give you the games. We're going to start with Chris Chapman, and then I'm going to handle the final two games. I'm going to let you know the special guest chooser, the special guest host in this spot for the third game since Mallard's out. But Chris Chapman, let's go to you and the first game of the week. All right, Dirk. Well, it's not an easy one by any stretch. It's the Washington Capitals taking a trip to Montreal as they take on the Canadians. That game is at 4 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Wow, yeah, that is not easy. Um, I'm going to stick with the home team on that one. They both look like they've not had a good um, past few games, but I'll go with the Canadians. All right, good stuff there, Dirk. My game, and I'm so sorry. I really am. I've got the Florida Panthers taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Lightning at home tomorrow, 2 o'clock puck drop. Wow, that's another doozy because it's, both been hot lately, but uh, I am going to go with the home team again, even though they, 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 they're not doing quite as well as the Panthers, but I'm going to go with the Lightning. All right, and the last game comes courtesy of Jared Justice sitting in for Darren Millard on this one. You've got the Philadelphia Flyers taking on the New Jersey Devils outside in the stadium series. That one goes tomorrow at 5 o'clock. All right, I will I'll go the opposite direction on this one. I'm going to go with the Flyers um, for no reason. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I Listen, John Tortorella is enough of a reason for me, so I'm with you there. Um, all right, Dirk. He his pants. He was puking. <laughs> he was doing everything. So, uh, enough. All right, so you've taken the Canadians over the Capitals, the Lightning over the Panthers, and the Flyers over the Devils. You've got one opportunity to make any changes. Are you sticking with it or are you making a change? I'm going to stick with it. All right. Best of luck to you, Dirk. All right. Thank you. 
Great stuff there. That's fun. Jared Justice throwing out the outdoor game. Did you know there were outdoor games this weekend, Chapman? Yes, because I know someone who's going to the game at the Meadowlands tomorrow. So, well, MetLife Stadium. It used to be called the Meadowlands many, many years ago. That's where the stadium was built, an area called the Meadowlands. So, but I know someone was going. So, that's how I knew. Hmm. And then Rangers Islanders, right? Is he paying to watch Jack Hughes play? No, media, member of the media. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. There but it is. the other person I know who probably would go is actually a Flyers fan. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe paying to watch Travis Konechny. Good luck to Dirk, the Michael E. Minden hockey parlay contest. You can find Michael E. Minden inside the Fashion Show Mall. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show rolling along here on a Friday.